We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, this is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. It's day four of what labor leaders say is the biggest higher education strike in U.S. history. Nearly 48,000 graduate students, postdocs, and researchers at the University of California have walked off their jobs as teaching assistants, classroom instructors, graders, and advisors. They're demanding higher pay, better benefits, and an end to what they say are UC's unfair negotiating tactics. UC says it's bargained in good faith and made generous offers. We hear from demonstrators, students, and UC. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Those are the voices of postdocs, researchers, graduate student teachers at UC Berkeley yesterday who walked off their jobs as instructors and advisors in a massive strike across 10 UC campuses that began on Monday. They're asking for better wages and benefits and accusing UC of unfair bargaining practices, which UC disputes. We get an update on the situation, the impact on students and workers, and hear from you. Are you a UC student or employee? How have you been affected by the strike? You can post your thoughts on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at KQED Forum. Call 866-733-6786, or you can email forum at kqed.org. Joining me first is Blake Jones, California education reporter with Politico, who's reporting on the strike from Davis. Welcome, Blake Jones. Thank you for having me on. So we are in day four of this. What's the impact been on campuses? What have you heard? Sure. So most of what we know so far is anecdotal. We know that many teaching teachers assistants who are striking have canceled their classes, and that's having an impact on the undergraduates, certainly who learn from them. We're also, you know, hearing that some undergraduates haven't gone to class in solidarity, that this isn't something the union itself has formally called for. And we also know that at a critical juncture in the school year, as we approach final season, that, um, you know, students have um, not had the same levels of support from some of these um, academic employees who are on strike. But if you want to talk about quantifying the scale of these learning disruptions, it's very difficult to do. I talked to UC Berkeley, and they said that they're hoping to have a better idea of how this has impacted um, classroom operations by the end of the week, but they're never going to have any numbers. Hmm. Well, can you give us an overview of the key sticking points in this dispute? Absolutely. Um, Right now, economic proposals are still the key sticking point. I think the largest and most obvious one is the dispute over salaries. Um, 
on the formal proposals that both the union and the UC have put forward, there are tens of thousands of dollars worth of daylight in between their proposals for several different um, groups of academic workers. I'll just give you one example, which is for, um, you know, academic work workers such as teachers assistants who, you know, make a base salary of in under $24,000 and are seeking a, a raise to a base salary of $54,000. And um, the UC is proposing an average of a 7.2% raise. So, you know, that just gives you a little bit of an idea of how much daylight there really is between these proposals. Yes. And yeah, so th there are really significant sticking points over salaries. There are some other economic issues too that are bound up in negotiations, but that's centrally what's at stake here. And the bigger picture is that California is a very expensive place to live. The cost of living is going up. Inflation has occurred. And at the same time, they're very prestigious and well-resourced system, right? Absolutely. And, you know, these campuses that the UC hosts are not in, you know, relatively affordable parts of California. We're talking about Los Angeles. We're talking about Berkeley. So, you know, students are paying even higher rents than people in other parts of California might be, um, even with subsidization of their rent prices. And, you know, you're right, it um, really is a reflection of the affordability issues in California. And as you note, it's one that's put the UC system, which is already prominent and prestigious in the national spotlight because of the size and scale of this strike. Sure has. Blake Jones, California education reporter for Politico. Thank you. I'd like to bring into the conversation now Neil Sweeney, a postdoctoral scholar in molecular biology at UC Santa Cruz and president of UAW 5810, the union that represents postdocs and academic researchers. Neil, really glad to have you on. Yeah, thanks for having me. So can you first just talk about you, talk about the job you have as a postdoc at UC Santa Cruz? So um, my research field is um, molecular biology, specifically uh, studying uh, the retina in the eye and how, that, how the retina develops early in development and how stem cells in the retina could be used to address later stage eye diseases like glaucoma and macular degeneration. And so how do you make ends meet while doing that work, being a postdoc and a researcher and so on? How do you make things work economically? Are you among the postdocs who struggles? Um, so I am um, working for the union now as, as our president, but recently I was uh, working as a postdoc. And when I was um, working in the lab, I worked 50, 60 hours a week. And uh, the salary was so low that every month I really had to think about if I would make it through that month. Every single uh, expense, getting a coffee, I had to think about could I afford to get that coffee. I had two small children. Um, my partner was a full-time student. Uh, we lived in campus housing, campus family housing. And um, you know, we went to the campus food bank every month to, um, to make sure we had food. And um, this is while I was, um, my research was bringing in millions of dollars in research funding for the university. Hmm. And this is a story that you would hear reflected among other postdocs and academic researchers that you know, and especially, I guess, now with, with your union work. 
Definitely. It's a very, very common story. And just to be clear, your unit... 5810, UAW 5810, is different from UAW 2865. That union represents academic student employees, correct? Like teaching assistants, graduate student instructors, tutors, and and so on. Are you hearing similar situations, or how, how does their situation relate to yours? Their situation is similar, but I would say even more dire in that... Mm. Um, uh, the common salary, uh, like Blake said, a common salary for um, an, ac- an academic student employee is around $24,000 a year. So um, just imagine trying to get by on that salary in places like Santa Cruz or San Francisco or um, Los Angeles or San Diego, um, especially if you have um, a family. What have you heard people have to do to make ends meet? There's been um, so many stories, um, but you know, a couple ones that really stick out in my mind are um, a researcher and teaching assistant at UCLA, Bernard Remolino, and um, for the 2018 and 2019 academic year, he had to live out of his car because he couldn't afford to spend 85% or more of his, of his income on rent. Um, this is not an uncommon situation. Um, another doctoral student at UC Riverside in environmental studies, Jacob Kemner, um, just right now uh, makes about $28,000 a year. And twice a week, he donates blood plasma for about $2,000, $200 in extra income. And he has to spend six to 10 hours, hours a, a week um, doing that. And that's time away from his lesson planning and grading. And these are, you know, there's many, many, many more of these kinds of stories. Both your side and UC, as I understand it, have been able to to reach agreements on certain key parts of the negotiation, health and safety provisions, for example. But where are things breaking down with all of these dire things that you're describing? Where are things breaking down? Because it sounds like the situation is very urgent. Yes, it is very urgent. And I think... It's breaking down it in, in that the university is not bargaining in good faith. Um, we've had to file over 27 unfair labor practice charges with the California Public Employment Relations Board. And on six of these, some of these are um, still being processed by uh, the agency, but on six of these, they've issued complaints against the university, meaning that um, the state of California agrees that the university has broken the law. And they're actually continuing to commit more unfair labor practices by retaliating retaliating against workers who are on strike right now. So would you say that that's really how you got to the point of a strike was really the demands for lawful bargaining practices? Yes, that's the reason for the strike is that the university's failure to bargain in faith. And that's what we're calling them to do. We're calling them to um, meet with us for round-the-clock negotiations. Uh, We started those finally yesterday, um, but those need to continue until we reach an an agreement, and we want that to happen. We want to reach agreement as soon as possible. I see. You said they started just yesterday. How are they going? Um, We've made some progress, um, but in terms of uh, the key economic issues, 
um, university for the one of the student one of the two student worker groups. Um, the university passed a uh, proposal that would only increase monthly salary by about $132 and would still leave 56% of the workers in rent burden, meaning they spend more than 30% of their income on rent. So um, they really need to uh, make more serious proposals because we really want to get this, uh, these contracts resolved as soon as possible. So the most important concession for you are those economic concessions, wages, and so on. What's your response to UC's claim that the financial cost of meeting those demands would be overwhelming financially for them? I mean, every single one of the 48,000 workers on strike experience overwhelming financial impacts every month when their rent is due, just like um, just like I did when I was a postdoc. And... Um, our collective um, compensation proposals for all four bargaining units only amount to about 4.5% of UC's annual budget, which is $46 billion. So, um, and this is while these workers do the majority of teaching and research at the university. So we really think um, our demands are reasonable and that the university really needs to come to the table with serious proposals. Neil Sweeney is president of UAW 5810 and postdoctoral scholar in molecular biology at UC Santa Cruz. Neil, thank you. And we want to hear from you listeners. Are you a UC student or employee? How have you been affected by the strike? What are your questions or reactions to it? Do you support it? Do you not? Email forum at kqed.org. Post thoughts on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, or give us a call, 866-733-6786, 866-733-6786. More after the break. I'm Mina Kim. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking about the UC academic worker strike. Nearly 48,000 graduate students, postdocs, and researchers throughout the University of California system have walked off their jobs as teaching assistants, classroom instructors, graders, advisors, and more. And we want to hear your reactions, listeners, or your questions about the strike, or if you're a UC student or employee and have been affected by it, tell us how. You can call 866-733-6786. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at KQED Forum or email forum at kqed.org. Let me go to caller Margo in Berkeley. Hi, Margo. Hi, Margo. You're on. 
Hi, yeah, thank you. Um, I just wanted to comment that I think our problem is not cost of living so much as what the university is investing in. UC Berkeley just signed a five-year, $5 million contract with its football coach that's prior to bonuses. I have no idea what the UCLA coach makes, but I think we're much more invested in football than academics. Hmm. Margo, thanks. These for guys win their strike. Uh, Margo, thanks for sharing your reflection. And actually joining us now is Letitia Silas, Executive Director of System-Wide Labor Relations for the UC Office of the President. Letitia, thanks so much for being on with us. Hi, good morning. Thank you for having me. So we have consistently been hearing some pretty shocking stories of the lengths that postdocs, graduate student teachers and researchers are going to to make ends meet when they perform very vital functions for UC. Just before the break, we were talking with Neil Sweeney of UAW, who represents postdoctoral scholars. And, uh, and I'm wondering, what is your reaction to the kinds of struggles that you are hearing from people who work for UC? Uh, you know, Lena, we really appreciate and value our, our all of our students and our student employees as well. Um, and so we are always concerned uh, about the uh, welfare and and um, and living uh, and obviously the academic progress, because that's foremost of our students. So that's that's very important to us. And. But what about also, we just heard from caller Margot, who's suggesting that the university's priorities, though, as much as you care about them, are not being reflected in the way that you describe, that it feels like UC's priorities are more on things like football than it is on student welfare or uh, postdoc and researchers' welfare. Well, you know, the university's focus has been on employee welfare generally. Um, as you may know, in the last uh, last year, the university has settled contracts with a number of unions representing tens of thousands of university employees, including lecturers, nurses, police, and administrative bargaining uh, units. These agreements were reached through collaborative negotiations with our labor partners without labor unrest, and we hope to do the same with UAW. So I think the university has clearly demonstrated that, you know, employee welfare and having strong relationships with this labor, labor partners is a priority. Well, what are the major sticking points or non-starters for you? The UAW is asking that you see increased wages uh, so that it is tied to housing costs because housing is such an incredible burden for so many of them on the wages that they currently have. Why is UC not willing to meet that demand? Um, you know, first of all, nothing is uh, a non-starter. We are in negotiations and the university has approached these negotiations with an open mind, a willingness to reach an agreement and to compromise. We have listened and we have tried to be responsive. So let me start by saying that, that nothing is as a non-starter. We are in negotiations and we will proceed uh, as we have for the last year uh, in good faith. Um, so when we talk about housing and, and tying wages to uh, rental rates, uh, that is very dangerous. Um, that could have an overwhelming financial impact 
on the university as well as unintended consequences uh, just in the state generally. Uh, as you know, the UC does not control rental rates for non-UC housing and the UC can't predict nor responsibly budget for such. Um, you know, subsidi uh, uh, tying wages to rental rates could have the unintended consequence of subsidizing private landlords and companies and further exacerbating rental costs for other Californians. So we're, we're mindful of all these factors as we have continued to propose fair wage increases for these employees. Well, under UC's current wage proposal, and please correct me if I'm wrong, essentially salaried, you know, academic student employees and graduate student researchers, their salaries would begin at under $25,000. And as we all know, in California, to be able to live on that, that's almost impossible. Uh, well, you know, really, uh, the university, it, well, first, let me step back just a minute here. Um, the wages uh, that the graduate students make um, are for part-time work. It's 20 hours a week. Uh, on average, and nine months out of the year. Uh, so we have to contextualize this and, you know, and, and at least acknowledge that we're talking about part-time work for part of the year. And right now, the university's proposal is to increase uh, wages um, to up to 26% in some cases. So this is not insignificant. And also, you know, it's important to note that the UC covers um, tens of thousands of dollars for tuition and fees for academic student employees and graduate student researchers with a 25% appointment or greater. I know that sounds like academic <laughs> academic talk, but you know what that means is that for our graduate students, they are getting um, a, a fee, tuition and fee remissions, which is very generous. Um, and our goal in doing that is to help alleviate um, some of the financial concerns. Well, the other question that I want to raise for you, Leticia, is also what was brought up by UAW, which is the fact that they say that the UC has not been bargaining in good faith. And in fact, they filed claims with the Public Employee Relations Board, and Public Employee Relations Board has affirmed some of those complaints in terms of the way UC has bargained, mm. that it has done it unlawfully, withheld information, for example, not engaged with all the relevant people. What is your response mm. to that? Mm. My response is that, you know, that's unfortunate. Um, you know, you may or may not know that my background actually is as a former um, a labor prosecutor. Uh, you know, I was a labor attorney for the NLRB. And so I'm very committed um, to the law, labor law around labor management relations. Um, and that drives um, everything that we do, at least under my watch with the university. Um, so it's unfortunate that uh, UAW believes that uh, there have been unfair practices. I disagree with that. Um, I think that our good faith has been demonstrated by our showing up to the table with an open mind of uh, listening to the uh, union and its presentation of, of concerns of the bargaining unit members and being responsive and being flexible. Um, you know, you may know this, but um, the parties have been engaged in negotiations for eight consecutive days now. 
uh, since last Friday, every day. Um, and we've come every day with an open mind and willingness to reach an agreement. So I have to say that, you know, I think it's unfortunate and and uh, that UAW uh, believes that there have been unfair practices. I disagree. Um, and none of those uh, allegations have been adjudicated. So there has not been any finding that the university has violated the law in any way. But the state, it sounds like, has agreed with the union and issued complaints that, that UC will have to respond to as well. The state meaning the Public Employee Relations Board, not just UAW, correct? Um, you know, the state has taken its actions that it believes are appropriate. Um, but again, we disagree. Well, Elaine writes, my son is a senior at UCLA. He was taking a physics midterm on Tuesday when the UC strikers came into the classroom chanting and using a bullhorn. He said the students are sympathetic to the grad students and postdocs complaints, but were really aggravated to have their exam interrupted. How is UC Mm -hmm. addressing major disruptions for students? You know, thank you for uh, sharing that. Uh, This is really concerning for us because uh, at the end of the day, you know, our, our core mission here is teaching and research, and we owe an obligation to our students. They have traveled, you know, from far and wide and and local and and worked very hard to even get uh, into a university, Uh, and they deserve the best, and they deserve to be able to come and and study without disruption or harassment of any sort, uh, any sort. Um, so that is concerning for us, and we um, are mindful in, 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 in doing our best to ensure continuity of research, uh, teaching, continuity of our operations, and that our students are safe and they feel secure. Well, we are in day four, so if this strike persists, how will you see managed? Do you have a plan in terms of campus disruptions on an ongoing basis? We do. Um, We are uh, working appropriately to ensure that uh, appropriate measures are taken, um, that we can continue our research and teaching mission, and that uh, there's safety on campus, obviously. Uh, We we respect the right of employees to engage in protected activity, uh, which includes strike activity generally. Um, and but we want to make sure that that's done in a safe way, um, because, again, our mission here is teaching and, and, and making sure that our students who come are safe. So um, we are mindful of, of, of things that we need to do and, and we're taking appropriate actions. Natisha Silas, Executive Director of System-Wide Labor Relations for the University of California Office of the President. Latisha Silas, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Listeners, we are talking about the UC academic worker strike, and we are hearing your reflections and questions about it. Uh, And we just heard from both sides. I'm going to bring into the conversation John Logan, Director of Labor Studies at San Francisco State University. John Logan, thanks so much for being with us. Hi, very glad to be here. So we have just heard uh, from... Uh, UAW, we've heard from UC. I just want to take a moment to zoom out a little bit because we're hearing that this UC strike could spark a broader reckoning across the country of an academic system where graduate students, postdocs, researchers are doing essential work of the university but struggling to make ends meet or for very little pay. Do you see it that way? 
Very much so. Um, I think it's important to understand that this is part of a national trend that's been happening for a number of decades now. Unionization amongst public uh, universities started really in the 1970s, but um, the, the real um, gains were made in the 90s and 2000s. Uh, organizing started at Berkeley in the 80s, but um, they gained recognition in 99 and started bargaining in 2000. Um, but since then, th there has been a huge increase in the number of private university graduate student workers who have been formed unions too. And this has been particularly true um, after the Obama National Labor Relations Board in uh, 2016 allowed uh, private university graduate students to, to organize and form unions. So in recent years, um, there's been a whole number at Harvard, at MIT, um, at Columbia and NYU have contracts now, at Brown University, at Georgetown, University of Chicago, Boston University graduate students are organizing. So, and the list goes on. So, you know, we're now talking about um, upward of 100,000 unionized uh, graduate students, employees throughout the country. And the issues, quite frankly, are similar. I think they're more severe in California because of the, you know, astronomical living costs and particularly the housing cost and you, you combine that with the current uh, crisis in the cost of living and so you know, we heard from uh, the political reporter and from from the Neil Sweeney um, about the huge gulf that exists between what the university is offering in terms of pay and other benefits and what the graduate students say is necessary for an absolute basic um, quality of life and livable wage that, you know, if, if over 90% of graduate students' employees are paying more than 30% of their income um, on housing costs, it's simply not sustainable. A couple of things, though, about the, the UC labor relations person. One thing they said is that this is part-time work, that, you know, 24000 a year, which is the average pay for teaching assistants at UCLA. Of course, LA is an incredibly difficult, um, expensive place. I was a postdoc at UCLA for two years. Um, Do you mind my asking what you made when you were a postdoc at UCLA? Um, I made about 50000 a year, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, and it hasn't gone up much since then. And I was an, um, a graduate student in, in the 1990s. And at that time, I think I was earning fifteen or 16000 a year. So I was really shocked to find out that, 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 that it's now 24000 that it's gone up very little. But this is, you know, to call this a part-time job, I would challenge them to find a single graduate student teaching assistant who who says that they only work 20 hours a week. I think what you would hear is that they typically work 40 hours a week, 50 hours a week, sometimes more than that. So to, to dismiss this as a, a, you know, a, a part-time wage for a part-time job, I, I think is you know, completely misrepresenting the situation and, and frankly you know, shows a sort of lack of respect for the people who are doing this work because, as was stated before, they actually do, you know, the university would be completely able to unable to function without their teaching, without them 
uh, interacting with students. Undergraduate students have far greater interaction with their graduate student instructors than they ever do with their professors. All of their term papers, their final exams, uh, overwhelmingly are marked by, by graduate student instructors. Well, you are touching on some of the concerns that listeners are raising. Nancy writes, when the strikers say they can't live on what they earn, people need to understand that these are part-time jobs, usually roughly half-time. No one can expect to live in Berkeley on a part-time job of any kind. Undergrads take out loans to make ends meet. I don't know what the solution is, but people need to understand exactly what kind of job they're talking about. And Jennifer writes, I was a graduate teaching assistant at UCLA the year that we unionized, and the benefits that we achieved at that time had a huge impact on my financial well-being. I highly support the union. However, however, I would also like to remind listeners that graduate student workers work a maximum of 20 hours per week. So while 54000 sounds like a low salary, it is very high for working half-time. As a faculty member at a community college with two master's degrees and 20 years of experience, I would be making less per hour than a teaching assistant at the UC. Your thoughts on that, uh, um, John, well, The 54000 is what the, the un- union is asking for, that they say that's um, the minimum amount required to prevent this so-called rent burden so that they're not paying more than a third of their salary in rent in the places in which they live. But the current figure is 24000 And even with the increases that the university is offering, it would still be under 30000 for most graduate teaching assistants. And again, yes, it is called a part-time work, but if you read the stories, if you talk to graduate students, you will not find anyone who says that they work 20 hours a week. I can virtually guarantee that. I never worked anything close to 20 hours a week when I was a graduate student employee. It was always far, far longer than that. And again, you know, the university simply could not function. Um, these are people who often teach their own classes, particularly in languages, in English, in composition. Um, even when they run weekly discussion sections, uh, these are the people who the students have the greatest contact with. Hmm. Well, we'll have John Logan with us, Director of Labor Studies at San Francisco State University, and we'll have more with you, our listeners, after the break. Stay with us. I'm Mina Kim. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking about the UC academic worker strike. And let's get some reactions from you, our listeners. Let me go to Brooke in Oakland. Hi, Brooke. You're on. Hi. 
Hi, go right ahead. Um, yeah, so I'm an undergraduate at Berkeley, and I am not crossing the picket lines um, in solidarity with those that are striking. Um, I think that the graduate students and lecturers like last year do the bulk of the work for the school, and they should be paid appropriately. Um, and three uh, of my three professors, one has completely canceled classes, um, and the other two have been offering uh, remote Zoom options so students don't have to cross the picket line. Um, me and a lot of undergraduates like myself 100% support um, the strike, and we hope that they get what they have been asking for. Well, Brooke, thanks for sharing your thoughts. David tweets, I'm the father of two young kids and a postdoc researcher at UC. We strike to hold the regents to account. They increasingly rely on us academic workers for teaching and research, but continue to press wages for us down as the top end rises. Unhoused, hungry, overworked, no more. Let me go to Alex in Mountain View. Hi, Alex. You're on. Hi, thank you for taking my call. I just had a suggestion. Uh, one thing is that it's difficult sometimes to determine what is appropriate. And if you simply pay uh, more salary uh, whenever someone strikes, then you, you risk this wage price spiral at, or it contributes to that problem in California. So what I suggest is that we use the pay of equivalent public sector employees in other Western countries, like in Japan or Germany, which have excellent universities, and and if these are uh, teaching assistants and, and research assistants are paid more than what they are overseas, then we should not increase the salary. However, if it is below what they are typically paid in other Western countries, then we increase it. So we oh. use that as a guideline. Alex, thanks. Do you know how we compare John Logan to other countries with yeah, excellent universities? I do, actually. I, my first academic job, I taught for 10 years at the London School of Economics and Political Science. And the really fundamental difference is that U.S. universities depend far, far more on the labor of graduate students teaching and research assistants than is the case at UK and European universities. So there isn't the similar thing where you have tens of thousands of, of graduate students who are teaching their own classes, who are, you know, is absolutely essential for the day-to-day -day running of the universities in the same way that they are in the US. So it, it's not an easy comparison. And the UK universities, which I know best, but European ones too, have actually resisted the casualization of academic labor to a far, far greater degree than has been true in the US. It is a problem there too. But it's, you know, if you look at the California State University system where I teach, but also at the UC system, a huge amount of the teaching is done both by teaching assistants, graduate students, and by lecturers who often are called uh, adjunct professors, both of whom uh, have very little job security, uh, relatively low pay, and yet they teach the, the vast bulk of, of classes at the University of California, the country's leading public university system. So there, there really isn't um, an equivalent uh, class of uh, huge numbers of graduate student workers, and they are workers, um, or um, the same number of uh, precarious adjunct professors that we have in the U.S.
And, you know, this is part of the issue, is that the numbers of graduate students and um, contingent faculty who do the teaching at public universities has risen you know, absolutely astronomically over the past two or three decades. And they, their pay is nowhere near high enough. So you're saying in part that they are at a disadvantage because of the sheer numbers of people available to university systems to do this work? Yeah. And, and you know, for, again, where I taught in London, the vast majority of teaching was done by the professors, by people like me, who would be the tenure track faculty at the University of California. But, you know, California, understandably, wants to attract the, the best faculty that it can and in order to do that, there's tremendous pressure on those faculty to publish. Uh, they don't want to do a lot of teaching, and they certainly don't want to be grading student papers and interacting with the students in the way that the graduate student employees do. Uh, so the graduate student workers actually are far more important in many cases to undergraduate education at the University of California system than uh, tenure-track professors can be in many cases. Uh, we did not have that system in the, the, the UK and Europe. We're moving in that direction, but from you know, a much lower level. So it's nothing, it's, there's nothing comparable to, to what we're seeing in California or nationwide today. Well, let me go to caller Noah in Riverside. Hi, Noah. You're on. Hi. Um, <clears throat> thank you for taking the call. I wanted to talk about the um, first guest's uh, claim that the U UC can't budget for uh, housing cost increases. And I just frankly find this a kind of ridiculous comment that, like every other business and organization that has annual wage increases to account for inflation, the UC somehow makes this excuse that, its budget analyst can't figure out how to do that. I mean, this is just one example of the deeply unserious and disrespectful bargaining that the UC's bargaining team has been engaging with us. And all I'm hearing from their labor relations representative in that prior uh, segment was platitudes about being open-minded and listening to the, to the uh, student workers when, you know, clearly they're not listening to our, you know, uh, stories about what our cost of living is and what we go through working at the university. Furthermore, we also have to take into account that graduate students write grants to fund themselves a lot. You know, we're not even always taking the university's money to fund ourselves, but we're limited by the university's salary in terms of how much we can pay ourselves out of those grants. So yeah, I just, uh, I'm going to stop it there because I'm going a bit long and I'm I'm very frustrated, as you can probably hear, but I don't think the UC is serious at all in this negotiation, and we are prepared to strike as long as it takes. Meet us on the picket line. We need you there. Thank you. All right, Noah, and let me go to Alex, who writes, I just have to say I couldn't help but notice that the UC representative said a lot of words but didn't actually answer your question. She kept saying things like they're taking appropriate measures and things are important to them without giving any specific answers as to what they're doing, just a bunch of double talk and hot air. At first, I thought maybe this was a bit overblown by sensitive intellectuals prone to dramatizing things. But now I feel I've gotten a glimpse into what they're really dealing with, and I am behind the university employees 100%. Another listener writes, I'm a fourth grade teacher in a public California school in northern Los Angeles County. This is my seventh year teaching and I make $55,000 a year. I've been hearing on your program that the salaries range from 24 to 56k per year. 
for UC teaching assistants. I, I don't believe that's the teaching assistants one, but it does go up to 56K if you're a postdoc and so on. But haha, if you think we only work 40 hours per week. You know what, when we talk about these these low wages, I guess what I feel like they're pointing to And maybe I should read one more comment, John. Heather writes, it is appalling that the UC in the state of California does not prioritize public education and the welfare of students, both graduate and undergraduate. I am a parent with a freshman at UC. My son and all of his cohorts are coming out of this most disruptive high school experience in living history. It is infuriating that this first semester in college be disrupted again. I fully support the strikers and demand that the UC take a hard look at where their funding priorities lie and pay their grad students sustainable living wage and resolve this immediately. I guess I I read that to say what it feels like is there is a much broader system out that exists in our country where you can pay people to do very vital functions for an academic system for very little money. And so the frustration some may feel at the wages and so on is among other roles like teaching, for example, or um, if they work a part-time job, it, it feels in large part because there is a much broader system that doesn't value academic work or education or teaching and so on in the ways that it sounds like a lot of our listeners would like to see. Well, well, that is true. But now we have 40,000 graduate students and postdoc students at University of California who are members of a union and they have the ability to strike, which they're engaging in right now, to do something about these totally inadequate uh, wage um, pay raises they're being offered by the university. And, you know, when the UC spokesperson was on, they suggested, I, you know, implied that it was the graduate students who were hurting undergraduate education at University of California. But, you know, the, the truth is the graduate students have tremendous support from everything we've read Amongst undergraduates, we heard a couple of examples earlier in the calls, and from faculty. Um, and so it's really the university's failure to, to take these negotiations and the bargaining process seriously and to offer uh, wage increases that would allow them to, um, to concentrate on their teaching abilities and their teaching duties and to offer the best quality of teaching that they possibly can. That's mm. what's hurting undergraduate education at the University of California. They're not going to be able to attract graduate students. They're not going to be able to afford to live in places like Berkeley and L.A. and San Diego and Santa Cruz. We are talking about the UC Academic Workers Strike, and you are listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Well, on the line now, we have a UC Santa Barbara student, Holly Rush, who also is lead news editor at The Daily Nexus, UCSB's independent student-run newspaper. Holly, thanks so much for being on with us. Thank you for having me. Is the mood at UCSB's campus, what John is describing, mostly supportive of this strike? Yeah, I mean, I would say, especially during the first day of the strike, we saw a huge outpouring of solidarity, not just from undergraduates, but also from faculty in the campus community as a whole. There are over 500 people out to march and protest and be on the picket line in solidarity with these striking academic employees. And is there anyone that you've encountered who is not striking, who is represented by the union, for example, TAs and so on? Yeah, I mean, I do know um, a few teaching assistants who have chosen not to strike 
because they are international students and they cannot, they don't want to challenge the, their visa status. Um, so it's less a matter of not supporting the, the impetus behind the strike and more so um, of individual circumstance. So do you think this supportive mood might change as finals approach or maybe students do start to feel some of the effects like grading delays or so on? You know, that's a really good question. I think it's something that's probably going to be answered if this strike continues. Um, I've heard this sentiment echoed by other other speakers, and I really do think it's true at the University of California and at Santa Barbara. Our teaching assistants and the graduate students, they play a huge role in our educations. Um, you know, they're the ones in charge of that day-to-day communication, the questions, like you said, the grading. So, you know, I think if the strike continues and as we approach finals and there are concerns around finals not being graded or or grade withholding, there definitely will be some frustration and, and confusion amongst undergraduates, but I, I wouldn't claim to say I know whether or not that's going to be directed like at striking employees at, you know, university administration or or at both. What do you hear is the reason most often that students at UCSB won't cross a picket line or will support this? You know, I think it's because um, at UCSB on our campus, we've undergraduate students have also encountered these difficulties with cost of living. We had a huge housing crisis last year. Thousands of students simply could not find places to live, could not afford them, or they just weren't available to them. So I think, you know, what these academic employees are are asking for and looking for, it definitely feels like something that the regular student can understand and relate to. Hmm. Holly Rush, lead news editor at the Daily Nexus UCSB. Thank you so much for talking with us. Thank you. John Logan, if you had to say where the UC's hands really are tied, I don't know if you would say, hey, they didn't create our incredible housing crisis in California, for example. Mm -hmm. I don't think that uh, Noah would find that to be very convincing. But if you had to say where they are most tied that we should keep in mind, where would you say that is? Well, I mean, they do of course, face a difficulty with the astronomical cost of living in California. They have difficulty recruiting faculty for that reason too, you know, primarily because of housing costs. But again, to put this into perspective, um, you know, at this very moment, UC chancellors have been getting very large raises. You know, raises are on the level of $100,000 additional salary. Uh, There's a lot of very, very high-paid administrators at the University of California. The university has, as was mentioned earlier, a $46 billion budget. These teaching assistants, research assistants, postdocs who are absolutely vital to the functioning of the university, they bring in billions of dollars in grant money, they do the vast bulk of the teaching, the interaction with undergraduates, what they're asking for would cost 4.5% of that overall budget. So if the university does not value the role that graduate students, postdoctoral students, who it could not function without, and if this strike continues for an extended period of time, we will see that very clearly, um, and it can't devote 4.5% of its budget to making sure that they have a livable wage. Um, I think it has its priorities wrong. 
Well, let me go to Nick in San Francisco. Hi, Nick. Quickly, thanks so much for waiting. Go ahead. Hi, no problem. Um, I'm a postdoc at UCSF, and I wanted to come on and talk a little bit about um, some common misconceptions of people who maybe only interacted with academia as an undergraduate student. So I finished my PhD recently, and I think um, I, I had a PhD in molecular biology. I think all of us who are in that situation spend time uh, at holidays with family asking us, oh, how are your classes going? And I think there's kind of a collective eye roll from your listeners who understand what I'm talking about, which is the term graduate student, I think, is really misleading um, if you've never held the role. The fact that the word student is in the name doesn't mean that we're, you know, sitting at a desk with a book bag and listening to teachers. Many of us, when we are in teaching roles, uh, that's because we have to uh, support ourselves with that salary because the the grants that our professors who are paying us for the research that makes the university have its prestige um, aren't enough to support the lab, partially because the university takes large cuts out of those grants. So I just wanted to, to call it a part-time mm. job. This is the, the part of the full-time job, uh, which, again, is more than 20 hours a week by far, um, is only one part of why graduate students are vital to the function of the university. Nick, thanks. We just have about 30 seconds. John Logan, UC and UAW say they're back at the bargaining table. How do you see this playing out? Well, I think there's going to be tremendous pressure from a whole variety of quarters on university administration to get serious and to resume bargaining in good faith and to come to an agreement that's acceptable to both parties. They're very far apart at the moment, yes. but they cannot operate without the labor of these people. And I don't think they can win this dispute. I think the, the graduate students, workers, will get um, a significant part of what they're asking for. John Logan, Director of Labor Studies at San Francisco State University, thank you. Thank you. Also, my thanks to Letitia Silas of UC, Neil Sweeney of UAW, Blake Jones of Politico, and Holly Rush of UCSB's The Daily Nexus. Thanks, Susie Britton, for producing today's segment with help from Caroline Smith. Thank you, listeners. I'm Mina Kim. This is Forum. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, the Germanicos Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, and the Heising-Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Did you ever wonder 
what it's like to live alone, hidden in the woods, not speaking to a single soul for 30 years, or wander the desert, uncover a hidden well, and dive to the bottom of the deepest water hole for 2,000 miles. The Snap Judgment Podcast takes you there with amazing stories told by the people who live them with an original soundscape that drops you directly into their shoes. Snap Judgment. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.